because I've thrown dozens of ideas. I have like literally ideas all the time at her. Yep. And she's, you know, for 20 years or so, she's just set, shot everyone down. Um, but when I told her about this one, uh, about creating this pay it forward soup trailer, she stopped and looked at me in the eyes and said, tell me more. And that's when I was like, oh, I got one. That's Tyler Melnick. He's a teacher in Calgary, Alberta, who is making the world a better place, one bowl of soup at a time. The founder of No Fixed Address, Tyler runs a food trailer in the city where he sells soup and other things, giving community members the opportunity to purchase a $5 huggable token, which can be passed on to someone who could benefit from a warm, nutritious meal. In this episode, we talk about Tyler's mission to help the community through entrepreneurship, the impact of the Huggable program, and his plans for the future. Tyler is a fantastic person, and I can't wait for you to hear his story. Do you ever run into people in your life and think, wow, they are amazing? The world is filled with ordinary people who are doing fascinating things, and we want to showcase that greatness. Welcome to The Ordinary Joe Show, where we talk to regular folks in the community who are chasing their dreams and changing the world in groundbreaking ways. Everyone has a story, and we are on a mission to celebrate the greatness in every one of them. Now, here's your host, Jody Zarn. Yeah, so we have a lot to talk about. So maybe to, so this makes a little bit more sense to you why I just tracked you down out of the blue, which probably seemed like it was pretty out of the blue. Um, I actually ran across a news story about you, maybe with CBC, I'm not sure, quite a while ago. And um, ever since I saw that story, I thought I have got to talk to this guy because... Yes. Um, I was really intrigued with your program and, and I'm, I'm really big into helping people and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so what you do really, I really, really am intrigued and interested in it and inspired by it. But, um, so, uh, 2019, I was, uh, working downtown in Winnipeg. I live in Winnipeg and I, I'm really big into buying people coffee. And I'll give you the, like the elevator 32nd version of this story, but, uh, it was middle of November, early November. And, uh, I go into our, our head office is connected to a mall downtown. So I go into the lobby of the mall and there's these two homeless gentlemen in the lobby, just trying to keep warm. Cause it's the very first cold day. And, uh, I thought I'm going to get these guys a coffee and a muffin because that's what I do. And so one of the gentlemen, uh, his name was Leroy, and he was visually impaired. He couldn't see me. And I introduced myself. And uh, to make a very long, long story short, we became best, best buddies. And uh, he would meet me at the mall every morning, and I would bring him food from home and supplies and whatnot. And um, basically... Uh, I was able to earn his, his trust and we built mm -hmm. this, this friendship and we were, I was able to connect him with his family and uh, get him off the streets into independent living and, and take care of him. So went the whole distance there, yeah. you know, we went, we went the whole, whole distance. It's a story that would, would blow your mind. Um, yeah. Where's Leroy today? Pardon me? Where, you know, where's Lord Leroy today? So Leroy passed away 
Uh, yeah. And that in itself is a crazy story. So, um, he had, um, he suffered kind of from paranoia and delusions and, uh, uh, about five or six months after we got him into his suite, he started having some health problems and, uh, we found out that, that he had an aortic aneurysm connected to his kidney and, um, it was entirely treatable. Like he could have been like, it was like a day procedure type deal. Like it wasn't horribly invasive. Uh, a surgeon would go in and fix this, this aneurysm and, and take care of business. And it was like very, like very, very, very high success rate. But he was convinced that the doctors were lying to him to steal his kidneys. So he refused to have the treatment. And, uh, at the time, Oh, now I can see you. Now I can see you. So at the time, the the doctors told us that he had a week to live. This was the middle of June of 2021. And they said, you've got seven days or less. And mm-hmm. he, he hadn't, he hadn't communicated with the people in his past for 25 years. A lot of them thought he was, he was dead because he just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. So we rallied the troops and got him connected to, all the people he needed to be connected with. Mm. And we thought, well, if he's, you know, we're going to celebrate him. And he lived for five months. Really? Uh, when they gave him seven days. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a crazy story. And, and like I, I would share his story on social media all the time. Uh, just because I was learning so many lessons, it was just impacting my life so profoundly myself. Like he helped me more than I helped him without a doubt. And, and he had, he had this huge following of people all over Canada and the U S who, who were really emotionally invested in, in him and his story and, and his journey. And so, uh, these people like would just send me money and, and just lots of messages of support. And so, we and he knew that and so by the end i think we were able to give him the gift of knowing that he was really loved and respected for who he was for for who he was as a person so so i've been really yeah yeah so since like i'm writing i'm writing a book now i'd like to speak about it and share his story because I don't know, like, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just immersing myself in this world. I'm just learning so much. And, and so that's kind of how I found you because, yeah. and just seeing what you're doing. And, and I thought, damn it, I got to meet this guy. And I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to reach out to you for a long time, but uh, yeah, yeah. So finally. When it was right and it happened. Yeah. Actually, you reached out to me, like, I think the day after another podcast launched. So I thought that's what happened was you saw that one. No. It's called the Unpacked Pod. Okay. And it's by these two people from just outside of Calgary. And that that episode launched early in September or mid-September. And uh, I think it was, like, just that day after. It's like, oh, who's this Jody? <laughs> another podcast you know because it's been i think there's been three podcasts you're the fourth oh wow yeah and one girl was from california and i don't know if she's actually got it together yet but the for the other two are out there and then there's been media yeah which media is good it gives you a bump right it gives you this like instant bump 
but then that goes away. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So if you're living on the media cycle, then you have to continually outdo yourself to continually be relevant enough to get coverage. That's right. Um, yeah. And that's just not on for me. I, I, I really don't want to have things take me away from what I intend to do. I mean, I intend to run a business that helps people. Yeah. While certain, you know, whether they can pay or not, right, in that intersection, and that's what I want to focus on. So oh, the other things are great; they do help, and I appreciate them. And I appreciate people like yourself taking the time to do these podcasts and reach out. Um, it's it's really good. Like it gives you that little bump sometimes that you need, uh, depending on where you, what stage you're at in something. Yeah, yeah. And I I watched a couple of the videos on your website this afternoon and. Like you made a really good point. Like one of the ways that people can help is to to spread the word, right? And the mm -hmm. more people yeah. who know about a program like yours, um, you know, people will be inspired um, in many ways. Because what I've learned, even with my journey with Leroy, is that that so many of us are impacted by homeless on homelessness on so many levels and want want a chance or a way to to be able to do something. So hearing about a program like yours, it's, for me, I, it's surprising how many people come out of the woodwork and want to help, you know, which I think is super cool. The community. There's certainly, I was just going to say, like, there's certainly a community mm -hmm. that appears all of a sudden. And, you know, it took me by shock when I first felt the community sort of grab me and say, okay, this idea, you know, it's just a very powerful reaffirmation that you're not alone in what you're doing yes 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 yeah yeah like yeah. i was literally standing alone in the dark right in, in this plaza in calgary standing alone in the dark with this trailer thinking no one knows i'm here and you know i could stand here all night and give away soup and not sell a single bowl and um i was even having trouble like in the winter when i started last february that's when i started february 17 2023 wow um in olympic plaza I, I i was having difficulty giving the soup away no way it was so cold people were like no i'm good thanks i'm like no no really this is for you i'm, I'm giving it away and they're like yeah you know i'm just gonna head back to the shelter thanks though and i was yeah. like what am i doing i can't even give the soup away yeah, what am yeah, I doing? yeah. And it was just cold it was just i started in the coldest week <laughs> possible yeah and that was part part intentional and part just the way it worked out because i did want to go out when no one else was going out that's what i felt i could do yeah um and that's when i said like said to myself like, no one even knows you're here like, like you have to people have to know you're here somehow and, and if they're not outside walking around which very few people were how are they going to know you're standing out here yeah um and then you know a new story led to another thing to another thing and then all of a sudden people started to show me that they knew I was there and uh yeah and then that, that was great so then it does have this ability to, to cross walls and to connect um the social media I mean and, and the community on the online community but what's really neat is when that online community then steps up and you actually get to meet them like this and you get to actually get to know them but you think about well, where did this start from it, it basically started out of nothing it was just a video you saw or an article you read yeah and then all of a sudden you're like with leroy the relationship you've developed with him was pretty amazing um 
and I've had some relationships develop like that from this where people just reached out to me and, and then now I consider them friends and mm -hmm. they've helped me through volunteering and other sort of means and it's people I probably never would have ever met. So yeah, so that's good. Yeah. It's phenomenal that people that you can, that, that come together, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you think yeah. like what put us together in this world like what connected us and it's just the, the com usually it's just a common interest you know that that they thought that what i was doing was interesting enough that they would send me a message mm -hmm. one thing i always do is i think back if i would i have done that too you know like you think mm -hmm. like i did this thing and that's like kind of like a lot for some people like they wouldn't do what i did and that's yeah. how i do it and then other people, they just send an email and I'm like, that's so nice of them. Like, wow, I don't think I would ever think to write someone an email because I like that their article did. And I'm yeah. like, man, man, I'm a terrible person. I, I never do these really nice things. I don't, I don't reach out <laughs> to people that way. And I'm like, but you know what you do, do? You, yeah. you know what you do? You start a business yeah. and you follow it through. So you just kind yeah. of do it in a different way. Yeah, <laughs> everybody has a way. Yeah. yeah, everybody has a way. And I think I just do, I just go for it and uh, it feels great. It really has filled my bucket, given me a lot to look forward to. Yeah. I look forward to the days of the week where I get to go down and set that up. And I look forward to meeting people who I haven't seen in a while and checking in with them. And yeah. And then hearing from the community about how it's impacting others. And, and when I get to help, like really get to see where I help. Yeah. Yeah. The difference, you know, and then you're like, okay, that's why I'm doing it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So talk to us a little bit about, like, I thought for some reason that you've been doing it longer, but February isn't that long. So, so how did, yeah. how did you get started? Like, like, tell us from the beginning, like, and right now yeah. you, have, you have one, one track or do you have more or? or... Okay. So I'll just, I'll go through like the, the, like I wanted to, so I'm a teacher, high school teacher and I've okay. taught, I, would, I had taught about 15 years. And my background in teaching is like politics, economics, um, social government issues, and legal studies, and psychology, and sort of like in all within sort of a very humanistic view of teaching. Um, and what I had done is progressively get more involved in politics, local politics, to look for ways to advocate and make change, especially in the community that I live in, mm -hmm. in Calgary. And uh, I got to know my city councillor quite well. And after she got elected, uh, made an attempt, like made deliberate attempts to get to know her. So I would say, hey, let's go for a walk. And we'd yeah. walk around the community um, and, and we'd like literally point things out to her that on the walk and bring them up to her. And, um, oh, yeah, I never noticed that or whatever. And I thought like, okay, here's someone who's really listening. Let's see what happens. And then I started to notice some of the things actually getting addressed. Oh. And I knew that I had helped advocate for that since, you know, otherwise this person didn't walk down that street for that reason right. and needs to be pointed out, right? Mm -hmm. So this sidewalk doesn't go anywhere and it's, you know, it's a real danger. Okay, three weeks later I come by, there's a crew there assessing it and then moving the sidewalk so, you know, bicycles and children can cross more safely. And I'm like, good. What? Well, that got done. And so then I started to see that like on, on a small scale, mm -hmm. little actions can make a difference. Um, and that people are open to these ideas, especially when they're looking to to be um, engageable, I guess. I don't know if yeah. that's a word. Uh, they want to be engaged and they want to hear from you. So if you do it in the right way, people are generally like pretty happy to um, hear from you. And uh, 
what happened then? Well, she ran for mayor and she ended up winning. And mm-hmm. so I was on her executive committee. Um, and so we had this long campaign. And during the campaign, I met a whole lot of people in the civic area of different levels of municipal and provincial politics and NGOs and businesses. And, 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 and I started to see like all of the policy work that's done. And I started to see where the rubber hits the road. And I thought, okay, I could do more. And mm-hmm. I started to think about what my interests were. And um, my interests were with youth as a high school teacher. And I felt there was a large gap in providing preventative help for youth who are likely to fall into um, systems of um, like to become, a, you know, a, a statistic, I could say. Right, right, right. I guess. And um, yeah. And, you know, I invest a lot in my students and to think they walk across the stage and I'm done didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And so I started to question like what I could do also to sort of help support later on um, and carry over information and share what we did earlier and that sort of thing. So I started looking at doing some sort of social purpose business. You know, I threw some ideas around and uh, she said to me, like, just go downtown and do some outreach. And, and that's what you'll see what's going on better if you just go down and do it. So I joined a group and outreach outfit. We walked around, handed out hygiene, food, um, clothing, harm reduction supplies, uh, referred to social services and made it, made connections and mm-hmm. had to do some first responding and contacting EMS and that sort of thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was doing that, I noticed that the volunteers were burning out Yeah, because a lot of them were professionals coming in after work, right? And, yeah. You know, they're just totally. tired. Yeah. And they couldn't do all of this well, like they can't do it at all, right? And and the volunteers, I felt, we should never go away worse off from yeah. doing and giving up their time to help others, but they were. There was fatigue, there was attrition, there was a lot of animosity towards like what the direction of organizations were and how organizations don't play well together. And, and I could go on and on about mm-hmm. the things I saw, but in the end, I said, we could do food delivery better. There's something about the food delivery that they're just not hitting it because they're getting granola bars and chocolate bars and, you know, high fat, low f- nutritional, hard foods, like a yeah. minus 20 will chip your tooth, right? Like yeah, yeah. these foods aren't respectful of someone who's outside overnight, right? Yeah. And, and so that's when I started leaning on soup and thinking soup was the great equalizer. It, it's warm. It's like a hug in a cup. Um, so then I was talking to my, my brother, uh, like my mentor, my brother in Ontario, um, I call him my brother. Um, and he just said, you know, we were talking and I said the word huggable. Uh, and I said, it's like a huggable. It's like everyone's huggable. It's a huggable. And he's just like, he called it right there. He said, that's it. That's your yeah. brand. He's like, that's what you need to use. And so then I, I knew I had something when he was interested in it. And I was like, okay. And the other thing I would say is I knew I was, I had something when my wife said, tell me more. Cause I've thrown dozens of items. I <laughs> like literally ideas all the time at her yeah. and she's you know for 20 years or so she's just set, shot everyone down uh, but when i told her about this one uh about creating this pay it forward soup trailer she stopped and looked at me in the eyes and said tell me more and that's when i was like oh i got one yeah finally and yeah. that's when i just knew it was gonna happen because yeah. uh, she was her interest was peaked i love it um and she's been a great support 
uh, to this point, and which you need to have. Like, she mm -hmm. needs to be supported, right? Because this is our job beyond our job. We Heck both yeah. teach. Um, she's kindergarten, I'm high school. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is all being done on our own time, and we're not paying ourselves anything. Yeah. Um, so in many ways, a social purpose business at this early stage is like a not-for-profit. In fact, it's less uh, supported than a not-for-profit because we don't get grants, right? Right. We created the Huggable to help sustain operations uh, and to show people there is a way to give mm -hmm. micro amounts. So a $5 gift is actually a purchase. You're buying a item, most likely a bowl of soup, but it could also be something else that would have a price point around $5. Yeah, cool. Packaging included. Yeah. Um, and then my time and labor is, is not included in that. Yeah. Huggable. Where we hope to make the business successful and more more like an actual business as well is that the regular items that are sold have a markup on them. Yeah. So then that difference is covering offsetting or if we ever get to point where we pay ourselves, that mm -hmm. would be labor. Or when I hire people, that would be paying their labor. Yeah. Um, and then you asked if we just have one trailer. For now, it's a trailer that I pull with my truck. Okay. Um, and then the plan is to modify an electric vehicle over the winter and to rebrand and relaunch in the spring with a nice little cute electric all-in-one model Yeah. that will make the entry point for other people much more attractive. Like literally you as a not-for-profit could say, we need diversity in our revenue stream and we want to help people in our community. What can we do? Mm -hmm. Go get a no-fixed address, contact Tyler. He will build the trailer for you and deliver it to you wherever you are in Canada for Ooh. this amount. Apply for the grant, get the money. He delivers it to you, connects you into the network, and automatically you're not for profit in Winnipeg, Ottawa, Vancouver, Thunder Bay has the ability to give back and use the pay it forward model to create a diverse revenue stream to employ people and to help fund your organization. So you're not so it. reliant on grants. Yeah. And so that's where I want to scale up to is get people to see that what I've started can easily be brought to any market mm -hmm. where there's a need. And I'm pretty sure there's a need just about everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. There are so yeah. many things I love about this. Yes. Yeah. So that's the next step. But in order to get people, see right now I have a truck, right? Mm -hmm. I have a truck that takes insurance and gas and storage that pulls, that's capable of pulling this trailer, which I had made and own, paid for myself. Yeah. And there's there's barriers, right? Uh, everywhere I look, there's barriers. You have to learn the truck. You have to be able to park the trailer. You have to store the trailer. It's, and to eliminate as many barriers for, say, an organization that may not have, they may have someone who wants to do it, but not have all the skills or the ability. Yeah. I'm working to minimize or to like make it even, the entry point even lower, to minimize the required expertise, cost, and necessities to run it. And that's why the all-in-one electric model is the way to go. And uh, yeah, I have everything lined up. I just uh, need the money to build it. And that's yeah. what I'm working on. Yeah. So everything right now for the next few months is all about getting to that limit where I know I can you know, put the down payments on and get it built and designed. It's all gonna happen right here in Calgary. Uh, everyone's ready to go and they're helping me out as much as they can, but still they're businesses. So yeah. As much as they're helping me, I still also need to pay my way through this because it's a business. Like they're, like they give me free consultation and they like go out of their way to help me. But in the end, the materials they have to be paid for. So yeah, um, 
yeah, so that's 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 my stage now I'm at, and I hope to launch in March or April with that new model and I new branding. It. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and once people see that, like you say, then they see that it's doable in their city and the impact that it can make, you never know what kind yeah. of buy-in you'll get, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that not-for-profits struggle in the grant cycle and, and in order to determine how their viability going forward and to have some consistency in what they offer in programming, they need to have a surety of some funding, right? Yeah. And if you're continually applying on quarterly or semi-annually for these grants and you never know if you're going to get it or not, that puts a lot of things in play that could be risky or lost. Mm -hmm. But at least if you're not-for-profit had a diverse revenue stream where you had your regular operations, but you had this as well, which fits nicely with what you offer, then this is actually creating employment opportunities as well as some revenue. Like for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, I can get booked for uh, events, right? And when I go to those events, I'm there as a business and I'm purely catering or open for sales, right? Mm -hmm. Those events can be very, like in one day, it could generate, you know, more than I would make in a month of, you know, four days a week on the street, right? Because when I'm working in the Olympic Plaza, I'm at that intersection where it's more giving than it is sales. Like people will walk by and say, hey, I'm not hungry, but I want to buy you a Huckable. So they'll tap their phone for five bucks and they'll walk away. Mm -hmm. So I've just covered my food costs. And I do that over and over when I'm on the street because yeah. it's just about covering the food costs so that I'm not going out, but my time is giving. So in a way it's, it's you know what I mean? And so that's fine for me because that's what I wanted to do. It's like my own form of outreach. Yeah. However, someone could also walk over and say, hey, I've got an office back there with 12 people. We want to buy lunch. Can I wrap this up and take it over there. And that person pays, you know, a, a bit more. Mm -hmm. And then they could say, but I'd also like to add on a couple of huggables. So throw another $20 onto the bill mm -hmm. and, and, and I'll give them four tokens and then they can do what they want with them. They could take them, give them to people on their way back to the office. They could leave them in the bowl, the huggable that sits in the front. And then as people walk by, they go, Oh, there's a token. Yep. And they give it to me and I feed them. Right. So the token yeah. is the way I account for 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 what has been paid forward right right yeah i mean there's a lot more to it than that i'm, I'm simplifying it there's also risks involved with this as well um and I'm, i don't want to get too much into the things i'm discovering but there's optics i suppose we could say between the not-for-profit and the for-profit social purpose businesses about what's the intention and you know, and I keep saying to people, when I get down into this wormhole of like, what is the intention and why I'm not a not-for-profit? And I can see that I have to, I'm at the point where I just need to like end the conversation because it's it's what I know I'm doing and where yeah. I'm coming from. I just yeah. think, if anyone had a problem with that, I'll look them in the face and say, okay, so what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Should I do nothing then? Like, because you have an issue that it's not a registered not-for-profit, so you're wondering why a business would do this. You don't understand that businesses can also do good. Now, I'm supposed to just stop doing what I'm doing because you can't get your head around 
a social purpose business um and you want to yeah. know like where's this going and, and tit for tat i'm like you know what i have bigger things to worry about i want to go out there and do what i'm doing if you can support me go ahead if you're gonna like come at me with that then you know what i look forward to seeing how you're helping out i really do so have you gotten a lot of that that mentality it's it's more of a worry that i have myself built because here's for an example like someone might offer me food let's say there's um let's say there's a there's a there's a, a factory that has a food food grade product that they were going to ship out but it got missed and um now it's sitting in their warehouse and they just they don't want it yeah. like they, it's it's got to go and yeah. so they're debating on what to do with it and they could call the food bank they could call whoever uh but someone decides to call me and they say hey tyler like would you like x amount of boxes of chicken and i'll be like oh uh yeah that's great protein protein's expensive protein could go to my chef who makes my soup his name's dean he works he owns saffron catering in calgary mm -hmm. um but the issue is it has to be bought right so the, the like one of the issues is i can't take things it, it has to be brought into into another conversation um and i don't even really know all of the rules but there are optics and then there are rules. And sometimes you just gotta, like, you just gotta feed people and know that what you're doing has good intentions. But again, because of the where, where I'm operating, I'm learning more and more about the ecosystem and how you have to navigate it. And also how you have to know what you're doing and what, it, like, not just what the impact of your actions are, but are you doing everything you should be administratively as well? So, so those are the kinds of things that I don't even know if I have, like, I, I just have read things and I do things, but I'm sure like, like in anything in the world, someone could come over and say, well, you know, this and this, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Thank you. And now I know. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, I think there's less of it when you're a business than there is when you're a not-for-profit and definitely when you're a charity. Charities have very strict guidelines. Right, right. That they have to adhere to or else yeah. they lose that. Not for profits. My understanding is they're a bit more relaxed, but they still have accountability and yeah. it has to reinvest. But then the question is, well, as a business, you don't have to reinvest it and you don't have a board. And I'm like, yeah. And so when it means like I'm quicker to make decisions, like if, yeah, true. if someone contacts me and says, Hey, we've got an event coming up. Can you come serve it? All I have to do is look in the freezer and go, yeah, I've got it. Let's go. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> So response time is quicker, but then when we get into that, those conversations about, um, I don't know, it, it's just, people haven't really said it directly, but I can tell it's a thing I need to address. Yeah. I you know, the, the messaging has to be addressed. Like, mm -hmm. what is it you're doing and how does it work? Cause I get a lot of people saying like, how do you, how do you do this and not lose money? I'm like, because people are so generous mm -hmm. that people buy huggables and that keeps this thing going because it's not about making money. It's just about keeping the product flowing. Yeah. And if it covers my costs and I don't make anything, well, then great. People will buy it fed. And if I do a big event and I do make something, that goes back into the company to help grow and to help recruit. So it's uh, at this stage, it's, it's just kind of taking care of itself. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, yeah, like you say, it's kind of like, I don't know if the right word is marketing the idea, marketing the strategy so that you are always not getting buy-in, but so you get that understanding, I suppose. 
Yeah, I just want people to know that when they support by buying a huggable, yeah, what they're saying to me is, here's five dollars, mm-hmm. and that's going to go to you to you to decide where it needs to go, right? Mm-hmm. And in what form. I mean, I'm not getting paid, but I have gas bills. Yeah. I have insurance. I have business license fees. I have permitting fees. I have packaging, and yeah. So there are things that I need to account for. And if I'm not selling product and I'm just giving away to a cost, yeah, then at least I'm covering my costs, mm-hmm. right? And in my cost is a fraction of the operating cost. So in that five dollar cost is a percentage of all of the variable and non-variable costs that go yeah. into making that pool happen. Yeah. 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 So that's it. And, you know, so that's why I set it at $5, um, you know, and I just wanted to be clear on people with people about that because that for now is how I've set it up. And to me, it made sense when I set it up and, and the more you think about something, the more you wonder, well, could that be tweaked? Or should it be changed? And I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it needs to be. But right now is not my main priority. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I've got to build this electric model. Um, and I have to prove that it can work, this new concept. And with my partners, like Little Potato Company out of Nisview, Alberta, wonderful partner of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Uni Pizza Ovens uh, will supply the oven and all the equipment for that part. And then um, some other companies are supporting with the... Um, the soup trains, the th- rethermalizers to put those in there. And then, of course, the person who brings the cart from Italy into Calgary, it's from, it's an Ape, and it's like a little three-wheeled electric jobby. But then it has to go down the road to be customized into this. And I can share a picture of one with you if you'd like to put it on yeah. social or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they're just these amazingly cute and efficient electric vehicles that can just glide around and you can move it uh, between venues and park it easily in an oh. underground parking spot. That is and, so um, cool. Yeah, you could even build like I guess a little shed for it, and, you know, or park it in a your cargo trailer if you had to. And um, so that is where I want to get it because that's the more professional, I suppose, like where I want to get to. Like I want to have the branding that looks like this is a real thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, it's a guy with a trailer that he may have built in his friend's garage, which isn't far from the truth, <laughs> but it works yeah, and yeah. it's approved and it yeah. passed. Um, and it actually has done very good. Um, but the trailer had an accident. I flipped it coming back from an event near Edmonton about uh, almost a month ago. And yeah, it was a month ago and it flipped in the wind and right. I dragged it into the ditch. Yeah. So insurance is getting sorted out right now. And I'm not really sure if it's even safe to pull it on the road. Okay. Like I think it's I think it's a write off, and that's what he's the insurance agent is pretty sure it's a write off as well. Okay. Um, that's why I haven't been operating in, uh, in my regular location for the last month. So it's actually interesting timing though, right? Because mm-hmm. the plan over the winter was to move to this electric model. So if I can get this thing brought downtown and just sort of like have it close to where I normally operate then I can just pull it over on a dolly and I don't have to drive it. Right. So that's yeah, ideal. That's so my hope is to sort it out with insurance and then just kind of put it where I need to put it and then sell for the next three months and then shut down in January and February and then reopen in March with the new concept. So yeah. I just need to use this thing for another two months. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Uh, two or three months. Yeah. 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 And I was going to ask you, 
So do you do you operate all year round? Like I, I'm just thinking about Winnipeg winters. So <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean it's tricky, right? Because things freeze up. Uh, yeah. Your water line can freeze and your water heater can freeze. There's ways to winterize your cart, but it is difficult for sure. So um, keeping it in a warm area is key. So like an underground that's heated or a garage that's heated is key. Mm -hmm. um, so that when you pull it out, at least it's starting warm. And then you can just do your best with a heater to keep things going for a bit. And then yeah. the heat of the of the cart itself could be refunneled back into the keep the lines from freezing. Cool. But if it gets to a point where... Um, if it gets to a point where it's minus 20, you gotta you gotta think about pulling the chute because you if you freeze up, you could very expensive yeah. damage right to your water heater and your your pump, etc. So yeah, um, yeah, I do operate year round. I've been out there in minus 30. Um, wow. But one of the conditions is with Alberta Health Services is you have to have on demand running hot water, and that's one of the issues, right? I can keep the soup going as long yeah. as I have electricity going. Right. But to have on-demand hot water means like keeping that warm enough that your pipes don't freeze and burst, right? Which yeah. Is the, that's that's the tricky part. Yeah, so, that uh, is tough. And looking for ways around that as well is 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 interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about you know insulating a tight, basically you want a, a really tight R value of all of your containment. So any heat is contained and you have you have like a zero leakage, right? And so it's passive. The heat generated from the three thermalizers in the oven is actually going down and staying down below in the cart where you have all your beer piping. Um, and that, as long as it's running, could, keeps the temperature above zero, right? Um, yeah, so there's there's little engineering tricks to do. Um, <laughs> and that's part of why I want to design this thing the way I want to is because I want to do all of that thinking for people so when they get it, and they're like, oh, but we're in Winnipeg and it's minus 30 this week. I'm like, well, don't worry about it. Just just warm it up before you leave the trip uh, and go out for three hours maximum. Like, don't stay out longer than that. But you're yeah. out there for three hours and then bring it back in, drain the water, you flush it, and then you just leave it until you're ready to use it again. That's super. So, yeah, you can use it in the winter. You can use it. The plan is to use it all the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a, it's, it, I like that you say that. I mean, it, it's, it's, I'm biased, like, you know, I'm super biased about it. And I, I love the concept and I see the potential of it. I've, um, I, it's hard to say where I'm at with it, you know, um, you know, is it time to bring a partner on? who can take it to that next level because you know i'm i'm teaching yeah. so in all honesty i'm limited and i don't think i can go much further uh than i have without considering you know um wh where i'm going with um with work like what is work, yeah. right this thing doesn't pay any money so as fun as it is it, it's not paying my bills exactly and yeah some something will have to give if that's not the case so how many times a week do you go out like what how how does that work usually three because i mean like i find it monday is my big day i go into school on monday and i go in early and i get myself sorted and then i kind of like get everything ready for the week and i do my checks and then tuesday and wednesday i follow that up and i start sort of hitting up for next week and then on thursday i make a quick dash 
afterwards. So I set things up so that I can make a, like a quicker dash out and I go straight down and I serve at my location until like, you know, evening, like eight or nine. Okay. And then back to work on Friday, usually, um, which is a shorter day. It's like an early dismissal. So we're usually out there about an hour earlier. So then Friday, I don't have to make a quick dash, but I just go back down Friday. Oh, okay. And then Saturday. And then I go, so fr Thursday, Friday nights. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday is usually like noon to like six or seven or eight. Oh, okay, cool. No. Yeah. If yeah. I can get people to work the shifts for me, then I could do lunch times too, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be one of the things to consider is like having someone, employ someone who could work two or three hours a day, Monday to Friday, but just mm -hmm. be there for the lunch hour. Yeah, yeah. especially like, and that I would, that would be a huge difference. Yeah, because then if people know that you're going to be there at lunchtime, yeah, you get maybe lots of people who would drop in regularly for a bowl yes. to buy one. Yeah. So can I tell you about my plan for the app that I want to do? Ooh, no. Okay, yeah. let's hear that. Yeah, so there's going to be an app. So uh, my friend Mike is a very talented app designer. And so we sat down this summer, pitched what he could do, and him and I came up with this idea. I think it was more him than I, but... I was very appreciative of this idea. So um, so it's a no fixed address app that you download onto your phone and you automatically become notified of when I open. So one of the things of the app is when I open, I go into the my account and I, and I send out a pin of where I am and my hours, how long I intend to be there and a menu uploads. So automatically on that given day, my menu gets pushed to you with my hours. And if you're in the zone, so there's like a concentric circle yeah. a radius of my delivery ability. So if I'm at this corner, then it's a, say, a five kilometer radius of delivery. You'd get a ping if your phone is within the radius. Oh, that's cool. And it would, it would just say, hey, just so you know, no fixed address is open for the next three hours. Here's today's menu. You can order online and the food will be delivered to you. Oh, Yes. So the radius is the workable area which I could employ people to basically be my skip. So I would like bypass skip in DoorDash. Yeah. I basically make my own delivery system where I would rely on the customers who I'm feeding. Yeah. Who need a little bit of extra income. And I would just basically rent a scooter for the day or whatever. Yeah. And they could just, you know, they would just scoot down the road go up to the floor, drop the food off. It would all be paid for on the app. Maybe yeah. tipped. I don't know, whatever. And then they would just come back. And um, that would be my plan to really maximize the lunchtime crowd in the downtown core is that people could just be booking it and it could be being delivered instantly. I love it. And people love, like, there's something, it's going to sound weird, something kind of sexy about, like, where is he going to show up next? You know, yeah, like, where is he going to be? It's fun. <laughs> You know? I know. <laughs> you gotta keep 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 people guessing, you know, and just uh, oh, he's on that corner. Yeah, I did that a little bit this summer. You know, I I did my best to kind of like just randomly pop up places, and I'd have regulars walk by and go, "Whoa, yeah, like, what are you doing here?" Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, exciting here for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've been missing you. Yeah, whatever. I I, I like that too, and that, that plays into the no fixed address part. Like, I don't want to get bogged down with a brick and mortar or any of that unnecessary like i don't want people to have to come to me the whole point of the outreach is to go to people where the need is and that is the mobility that i can provide yeah and there could be lots of people who would love to pay you a visit but never are in that area but if they know that you might be in their area 
and it's it's uniting that sense of community like you're you're everywhere because community is is everywhere you know it's really uniting yeah. people i went to a few community association events and markets in that this summer that got me into pockets of calgary and the surrounding area i normally wouldn't have served in yeah and uh people were incredibly appreciative because they'd heard about it and um then like just happy to support it right mm -hmm. and um so that's like kind of one umbrella. If I could say the there's three modes. There's like the full on uh, paying crowd who book you, who, yeah. who get you at the event, or hire you as the caterer or what have you. And I work with partners to work make that happen. And then there's the middle ground, which is the ones where I'm doing the pay it forward operations in tandem mm -hmm. with the sales. And then there's another level which I haven't talked to you about, which would be partnering with a not-for-profit or other like organization to just bring outreach to a group um, and where my focus are on youth and um, helping support their events. So if they're doing some event and they're like, we have a very minimal budget and we have 400 kids and what are we going to do for food? Well, let's call Tyler and let's see if No Fix Address has the ability. And if yeah. it's it, if I do, because my partners have bought X amount of huggables and I can say, yes, I can commit to bringing soup and bread and something nice for 400 people I love and then that. i just go and i just basically that's where that's just like an outreach event so there's three dimensions really to it and they all work in synchronicity it's so fantastic because uh it is again like yeah coming you like a group of kids you know like them knowing that there's hope and that people care about them and, and all the stuff i have to tell you about a friend of mine named Vinny because i i can't remember you said something that that clued his you know, like, your cousin. No, I wish he was, but he's he's like my he's kind of like my brother. You don't have your cousin Vinny. Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. He's not my cousin Vinny. So Vinny, you would you have to meet this guy someday. I don't know how, but you got to meet this guy because you were talking about like. I always want to meet a Vinny. I've never met a Vinny. You I, I meet... bet you they're just a ton of fun. They have to be. They're Vinnies. You have to meet this guy. Like it's set okay. right yeah. now. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Okay. So Tell I met, Vinny. Vinny and I have known each other for about a year. And uh, you were talking about like trying to, you know, doing things to help keep kids, you know, on the straight and narrow, you know, going, not going down like the, the wrong path in life. Well, Vinny, um, I read his book last year. Again, just snooped him out and just found him because that's what I do is I snoop people and I, I just find them. And uh, you're a connector. So yeah. Me too. I, uh, so I read this this guy's book, and he grew up in Winnipeg, and he experienced quite a bit of childhood trauma, and um, he he ended up uh, getting in with the kind of the the wrong crowd, and uh, started getting into crime, and and he got into a gang in Winnipeg, and he was incarcerated for ten years, and uh, when he got out, and I'm not sure are you still there? Did it lose you? You're kind of frozen. No, no, it might have been freezing, but I hear you. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so he when he got out after oh, okay, street, let me turn my camera off. Yeah, that's there. okay. If I turn my camera off, sometimes it will, it will speed things up. Yeah, when he got out, he uh. He's a motivational speaker in Winnipeg now, and he has a book written about him, and he goes around to schools all over the place. He's in schools constantly, and he's talked to different agencies about 
gang life and and his his journey and his story so so that really resonates like i don't know we gotta put you guys in the same room together yeah, it does. it's the exact same story as my friend mitch who works okay. for a group called seven step society in calgary which is a not-for-profit and i have him come into my school uh at least to speak to one class a semester um and he travels across alberta and it's the same story um very similar yeah. it's sad and I actually had a kid today. I had a kid today because uh, Mitch is coming um, on November 6th. I think it's the day he's coming. And I had a student in class today say to me after I introduced the whole thing that he's coming and his background a little bit. I let Mitch do the talking. And the student said, Mr. Malnick, I said, yes. And he goes, do you think it's appropriate that you would bring someone into the school who has experienced a life of crime Ooh. and introduce them to you? And I said, I'm going to I'm going to answer that with one request of you. Ask me that question again after you've heard him talk. Because I think what the perception was in his mind was uh, in his legal mindset was. Why would he get the glory of speaking in front of us if he did things that society deems wrong? Like, why does he get to be the center of the focus now? Wow. And I said, when you meet him and you hear his story, you'll know that there's nothing to brag about. He's not here to tell you that what he's done, the life he lived, was in any way glamorous. Yeah. He's here to share with you his truth, and he doesn't have to do this. Yeah. And it's actually very hard to do it over and over again. Yeah. And he's great at it. But you got to imagine, he's reopening wounds every time he does it. Yeah, for sure. And um, he's doing this for those kids. Yeah. And I think it's just the most amazing thing. So I look forward to hearing what this kid will say after when I go to him. I say, what do you think now? Was it, sure. was it a good choice? I, I don't think he'll have anything bad to say after he hears Mitchell's story. Yeah. 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 And same with Vinny. Like, I mean, the power of these stories uh, being related to youth at that opportune moment is it's priceless, right? It's all part of what the YCGA aims to do. The, mm -hmm. When we're talking about um, young people, being introduced to the legal system at, at uh, various ages but minors we immediately have the idea of education and remediation first how do we go to extrajudicial or community and relationship-based approaches yeah uh versus the punitive style of system that has been you know proven with the high recidivism rates, especially in the states where it's up to 80% of people mm -hmm. who offend go back at some point. Yeah. So that, I mean, if, if I failed 80% of students, they'd be wondering, what is this guy doing in his classes? Yeah. Yeah. Right? For sure. Um, well, why is it okay that prisons fail 80% of inmates? Like, we don't look at it as failing inmates. But what is the purpose of prison then? Is it just to put people in boxes and torture them? And make and make the life so un like is that really because do you think someone who's going to be released after experiencing that sort of uh journey is going to want to go back into society and make things right for themselves and others yeah. like you know what i mean like you're almost so it's not surprising there's a there's such a high recidivism rate so i think the ycga when it was reapproached in the mid-2000s had the right idea um and i think that bringing speak in like Vinny and Mitch are a part of what I'm attempting to do with no fixed address as well. I yeah. want to be part where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. I want to be part of those conversations, not just helping people out, but helping people prevent from that. And that goes mm -hmm. to the question of food insecurity 
Because yeah. so much of people's issues today isn't that they have a home. It's like they're choosing whether to heat or eat. That's and right. if I can take a little bit of the burden off them by providing the food through a huggable program and then know that they can take better care of their family because of the savings they had for a meal or two a week, mm -hmm. then I'm, I'm glad that I was a, I can provide that service. For sure. And even just, you know, um, going and getting a bowl of soup and, and knowing that somebody cares about you or having that conversation with you and building that that relationship and friendship with you is something that people would really look forward to and, and thrive from. I, and I do too as well. I mean, like it's a two way street. Yeah. The energy they give, I give back. And yeah. vice versa. It's, it's completely mutual. I mean, they say to me, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to turn around to them and say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for continuing to come back and taking advantage of what I created for you. It mm -hmm. shows that I had a, a right idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, and that's, you know, that's just validation, right? And so, yeah, I'm happy yeah. when they're so, happy. And it just keeps going. So you've built some good friendships and relationships. You have some some people that come and see you, you know, on a regular basis? Yeah. When I'm set up and, like, the hours are more stable, like right now with the trailer being out of commission, it's a bit of in the air. But, you know, when I have my regular three days a week at the set location, I'll show up and people will be waiting for me. Mm -hmm. Like I'll wheel up in my truck, you know, after work and I'll go to set it up and two or three people may be there and they'll be like, we're going to help you set up. I'll be like, wow, awesome. Yeah. And they will start grabbing things and they know where they go. And before you know it, after a couple of days, I basically aren't, I'm not even setting up. And then occasionally they come back and they want to help me serve. So then I have to get into the issues of like, well, you know, you haven't been trained and you don't yeah. work for me. So I'm sorry, but here, you can be right here. You can talk to people and you can be yeah. like a greeter, but yeah. the food area is my area. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, these are the people who I know I could easily, when I get to the point, could easily start to casually employ them. Yes. Right? If, sure. I, if you start employing people and giving them that opportunity to earn cash in hand on the day that they're there. I love it. Whether it's delivering or, or working. And then that's also part of it too, is empowering yes. people that way and then giving them that little bit of respect and dignity that they want to show me in return mm -hmm. like people just really genuinely when they appreciate what you're doing uh, how can i say this like um i thought what i was doing was a small thing and then when i saw the the, the earnest appreciation in people's tones their faces oh. and their words yeah it hit me like i wasn't even aware of how deep the impact is mm -hmm. that somebody went out of their way to create something to show someone a little bit of dignity and respect who otherwise wasn't getting it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I love the fact, yeah. like on the video, you said you had two, two kinds of soup. Um, a year ago, we, had a, we held a, uh, a yoga event for, to honor our Leroy and one of our speakers, we donated the proceeds to a, a local homeless shelter. And, and he made a really good point is that if you're in a shelter some, or in the system, sometimes you don't get a say in what you get. But even just to be able to pick, like, what kind of sandwich do you want? Do you want ham or bologna or do you want this kind of soup or that? Like, be the, the, the freedom and the, the opportunity to just choose something is, is even, yeah. that's a huge thing. Have you ever heard the term radical hospitality? No, I don't think so. Okay. That's the one I came across when I was doing my research on this. Oh, okay. And that's the one that stuck with me. 
So radical hospitality is like it's a it's a it's a it's a philosophy that you treat everybody the same. Yeah. And you just offer it and then you wait to see what the response is. So if somebody says to me, "Well, I don't have money." I say, "Oh, you forgot your wallet at home today?" Yeah. No problem. Just pass me the token. I you can get it. it next time. Yeah. And when you're able to maybe, you know, when you're able to come back and leave a button for someone else. Right. And absolutely 100% I'm doing that because they know full hand that one day they're going to have an extra buck in their pocket and they're going to be able to pay it back and then they're going to pay it forward, truly pay it forward. Yeah. Again, versus someone who um, may not know that low feeling that you have $10 in your pocket and when that $10 is gone, you've got nothing. Yeah. The person with only $10 in their pocket, I found, is much more likely to buy Huggables for someone. You're right. I believe you. I believe you because it was very important to Leroy to to help people. And uh, uh, if he had money, he would. there was a Boston pizza in the mall where, where he stayed and where I worked. And he'd go in there for dinner. And uh, he would always tip the waitresses. It didn't matter how much mm. money he had. He always tipped them. And there was one gentleman who wouldn't take his tip, and he hated him. He told me, he says, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. And I said, like, why do you hate him? He wouldn't him? take my tip? Yeah, because he wouldn't take his tip. And the guy thought he was being nice to letting Leroy save his money, but but no, Leroy was just furious at this guy because he wouldn't take his money because that, that was important to him. That was his dignity, yeah. right? I wanted to build on what you're saying there, Jody, because I've noticed this too. Um, I've been in a position where someone came up and wanted to give me, like, shrapnel in their pocket. Uh-huh. Like they pulled out literally like a piece of lint, two buttons and a, a dirty quarter. Yeah. And th this is what they had in their pocket. And they're like, can I buy something with this? And I'm like, not at A&W, but here you can. I love and it. Then, you know, in one sense, like you get this stealing candy from a baby kind of situation. It's like, how dare you take this guy's quarter? But you know what? He was, he wasn't denied paying for his food which is what meant the most to him mm -hmm. he didn't want to take something without giving something right. and he offered what he had and i wasn't going to refuse him now yeah. i can see how someone on the side would look at that and be like whoa dude like that's what a huggable is for i'm like yeah the guy paid a quarter like he still used up a huggable but in terms of where he was at i wasn't going to get in his way of showing me the respect he wanted to convey. Yeah. And that quarter, honestly, was much more to him than it was to anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that old parable comes true when you just let people, like, so radical hospitality comes back, right? When we're talking about this concept of radical hospitality, it comes back when you just take the barriers away to service and yes. you just look at a person as a human being and then you know what if they can't pay that's not going to prevent us from making sure they get the same dignity and quality of service as the person next door who would and if the person who next door complains that they paid ten dollars for something and this person came in and got it for free they're not my customer mm -hmm. they're in the wrong place yeah they don't get it or maybe they are in the right place and they just need to stick around for a little bit and see why it matters that, yeah. that person it's fair isn't equal right fair is fair it's not equal that's exactly it
That's exactly this person who's upset is going to go back to work and sit in their office and earn another day's pay. And they're going to be upset that somebody got ahead in the line for the one meal a day that they're going to get. And I just look at the inequity of that whole argument and I see faults in the logic all through it. So I would basically probably just not even engage with that. I would just be like, you need to sit down and figure this out yourself. Why so, do you have a problem with that? Have you had people in your journey, like I know about my own journey, but have you had people come up to you or share like, you know, kind of examples about like your, what you're doing has made an impact on how they see the world or how yeah. they, you know? Yeah, they do. People like to share with me. Um, you know, like a nurse reached out from the emergency shelter here. It's called Sheldon Schumer. They do the safe injection site and other things there. Mm -hmm. And just said, hey, I'm a nurse here in the ER. And uh, I see these clients every day. And I want to let you know they're talking about you. They're coming in and they're talking about you and what you're doing. And I, and I had to look you up because I had no idea. And they just keep saying what a big difference it makes to know that you're there. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think you're going to hear this. So I wanted to tell you myself. And I was like, that was like a really good day. I was like, okay, cool. The impact is being heard and seen in other areas because when they go in for their weekly appointment at the clinic or whatever, and they're like, checkup is like, how was your week? They're like, well, you know, you know, my stuff got stolen and I might've been beat up and it was pretty cold one night and I didn't get food. But then all of a sudden there was this guy and you got to get this. This guy's just standing there in the cold. And I walk up to him and he's like, here's a bowl of soup. Yeah. And I said, I don't have money. And he, and he just said, take it. Yeah. And um, when you get to know it and they go, they start to learn about it, then they go tell all their friends. And then their friends come over, right? I heard mm -hmm. you got soup. And is it free? And then my, my initial response is, no, it's not free. Because to say it's free means that all costs were taken away. There were costs to bringing mm -hmm. this to you. Honest costs. There was labor costs. There was fuel costs. Yeah. There were materials costs. But through the partnerships I've formed and the ability to bring my cost down through other measures and mechanisms because of a low, um, basically low overhead, um, you're not getting it for free, but somebody was able to pay it forward. So if somebody said they wanted you to eat and they left something behind. So it's not yeah. free. That person you'll never meet paid for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I do have that conversation with people because it's important to me that they know that they have some acknowledgement that this operation isn't just an endless pit that's being funded by some uh, um, golden yeah. goose. Yeah. It and has to be sustained. And to be sustained, it needs the huggables. What, what I really love about it, too, is it's it's a it's a grassroots it's people helping people. It's just ordinary people helping people. And and it kind of goes to my ordinary Joe theme. Like, you know, I like to talk to regular people who are doing amazing things. And that's kind of one thing that I noticed with, with the journey with Leroy. Uh, his, his success on the streets, his support, honestly, was from ordinary people, you know. And there's so much strength and power to just ordinary people helping ordinary people. And so your friends that come and get a, a bowl of soup, if they know that another ordinary person wanted them to, to have that, I think that's super powerful. I think, you know, this is a, this is a good um, way to even to wrap it up. It's just like, 
like you started out with this mission, you started out with this idea. Um, what have you learned um, that you didn't think that you just didn't think of before? How has it impacted you? What have you know about humanity, about yourself, about people, anything? I, I like that you called it a mission because I've been I've been told it's a mission and and that was a bit of a heavy term for me to like look at and say is it yeah. um, a calling you know I'm a teacher so call, teaching called me um, so this called me as well right and I just followed I just followed it and now it's made and so yeah you call it whatever you want. Uh, it is what it is. It's existing now. It, it came from an idea through conception and now it's, it's a reality. Yeah. And so now I'll have to deal with people who are hearing about it. And I have to then acknowledge that I've brought this thing into the world with many other people along the way to help me. Um, but now it's this living thing. And so where is it going to go next? I truly believe that if I take it slowly and apply my knowledge, my skill set, my wisdom with the graciousness of partners who come by and mentor and provide that support here and there as they can, that there's no limit to where this can go because at the heart of it, the more successful no fixed address is, the, the, the bigger the impact we can make in our social ecosystem. Yeah. Yes. On many, many yeah. levels. Right. Yeah. And it's not going to solve anything on its own, but what it does do is it helps us create another conversation about how we're moving forward distributing aid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how we're how we're seeing each other. Yes. How we see each other and how we're how we're distributing aid. Because if we can change the way we see each other, that in itself is a huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I've learned from doing this is um taking any sort of lens that I came in with you know like I've I've always worked to see people and to be present but I'm still amazed by the wisdom that so many of the people who come to take the huggable have yeah. to share and how aware they are of like their situation yeah and how resilient they still are in terms of making those moves towards um, a better life for them yeah and uh, i guess the most heartbreaking one is when you hear from mothers who aren't with their children or or things like that right yeah. and they're just trying to get themselves into a position where they can be reunited with their kids yeah those are the ones that i find the hardest to hear because i have a seven-year-old daughter and you know couldn't imagine not um being with her and so, but if anything, maybe that's the motivator that people need, thankfully, to 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 go and access the help they need to make those steps, right? To get Heck. back into the life they want to be there for their kids. Heck yeah. It's more than a bowl of soup. It's it's everything. It's friendship, trust, having faith in in them. It's all the stuff. Like you are delivering far more than just a bowl of soup, that is for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I agree. Um yeah. and so yeah, I mean whatever it looks like, I'm sure I have no idea. It doesn't look today anything like it looked when I first dreamt it up. And that's because I was flexible and I adjusted and I listened to people and they made changes. And I know there's still many more to come. Yeah. And I just hope that they happen at a, at a lively pace 
and uh, I want to have some fun too. Like, Heck yeah. You know, I think this could be a lot of fun and it, it deals with a very serious issue that's often, you know, looked at as like a pitying sort of situation. But if we can empower the conversation and show that, you know, like you said, it's more than a bowl of soup, it's empowering people to take control of their lives. It's connecting them to the resources. And yeah. Yeah. And I think it could be a very positive uh, result. And that's, you know, I want to just keep thinking that way. I just want to hope that, I, you know, pray that I keep thinking about this as being a positive in, um, intersection that, that I can assist with. And then it's just watering a seed or shining light on a seed that someone else planted years and years ago mm-hmm. and has been tended by hundreds of hands and will not be harvested for a long, long time. But um, everyone along the way does a little contribution to it. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see where your journey takes you. I want to move to Calgary now so I can come and work for you. And well, no, I'm going to Winnipeg. I'll be there and Thunder Bay. So you just hang on. I'll be calling you to ask you for some help finding that champion I need to help promote it in Winnipeg. Oh, I have a few people that I think you need to meet. I have a friend who helped Leroy when he was in the hospital, and she was so inspired by him. She goes out on Saturdays and uh, hands out soup with her little wagon in the core of Winnipeg. Yeah. So, Are you yeah. kidding? Well, there yeah. she is. There's the champion I need right there. I know. To to sort of help oversee the delivery of it, you know? Yes. You know? Yeah, that person. That's yeah. the person in every city I need to step up and say, okay, I'll be the contact here. Yeah. And let's work together to get it here. And then the partners can wrap around in the place where it is and make it a community endeavor, not just a single person. But I need that contact initially. Oh, uh, someone who has the time, the know how, yeah. the desire, you know. As soon as I saw your article, I can't even remember when I found your article. As soon as I saw it, I sent it to her and I said, You like, you need to do this. <laughs> and did they write back? Oh yeah, like she, she. I think she, maybe she'd already seen it, and she has. It's um. I think they call themselves Helping Hand Warriors. I think, and they're out every Saturday, and they deliver stuff. So I'll look them up on Insta. See if I can find them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my gal's name is Kelly. There. You'll have to. Kelly? She's great. Okay. She's I'll great. Say I was speaking with Jody. Yeah. yeah and see what she says. Okay. Yeah, those are nice little introductions. And then maybe this summer I'll be passing through Winnipeg on my way to Thunder Bay because we go out there in the summers. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, so it'd be nice to stop and maybe you could uh, introduce me to some people and we could have a coffee if you're around. 100%. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be fantastic. I, I Let's please keep in touch. I want to hear more all, all about this stuff. Um, you're doing amazing okay. things. I, I'm just so glad that we could connect. Yeah. Uh, more, more importantly, like if anybody is listening, I mean, you have people, the ability who have the desire, who want to do it, but maybe they can't get out. They're too busy at work, but they have the means to give. I'm just putting it out there, buying a couple of huggables on my website, which is yes. uh, www.nofixedress.ca. Um, you can go right on there and you can choose the how many huggables you want. That gets put right to me. An alert goes off. And then I know that when I go out that weekend, my costs are going to be covered, right? And oh, if yeah. it adds up, it adds up, and then we can do events. The other thing is just, you know, spreading the word. Like you said, um, ideas that spread win. Mm-hmm. And to win, you means like people becoming aware. And, you know, eventually, if you look at how social media monetizes certain things, 
wouldn't it be amazing if somehow no fixed address became so popular that the social monetization funded the program? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I will yeah. definitely buy some Huggables and we'll share your link all over my sites and uh, yeah, okay. see what we can do. Uh, absolutely. This is really important. <laughs> I, I thank you for reaching out and I've had a great time talking with you, Joey. And yeah, I will stay in touch for sure. Yeah. Thanks definitely. to all your listeners for promoting this podcast, Ordinary Joe. Yeah. I'm anything but ordinary, but, uh, I'll, but I'm glad to be on Ordinary Joe. You bet. You are amazing. Thanks very much for uh, joining in here. I really appreciate it. And have a good night now. You can go chill out now. Okay, cheers. Bye, Joey. Okay, bye-bye.